Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. He's doing the Undertaker eye thing just before we start. How fitting as we have started now officially this latest installment in the tier list rankings thing here on Cultaholic Wrestling. I am gorgeous Gary YouTube, formerly known as Ravishing Ross Twiddell, of course. Still doing November at the time of recording. Yes, I know this Tash does not do my already ugly head any favours. Yes, I will be getting rid of it, YouTube comments, but you never listen. It's just November. I'm raising money for a good cause, but Sam, fellow Gary, whatever the hell you want to call yourself this month, we're here to do a tier list ranking on all of the Undertaker's gimmicks because we're sat currently the Friday after Survivor Series 2020, where we unfortunately had to say goodbye. It looked like a proper yeah. goodbye to the Undertaker. Did you cry because I did? Little bit, yeah, little bit. But I mainly cried a lot this month about how you'd never grew this moustache when we were married, Ross. Well, I didn't like. I didn't know you like tickled down there, Sam. Uh, this is something that was never broached as a topic when we were married, and uh, obviously took part in all of the oral sessions. Yes, not to steal something from Renee Young there. <laughs> um, but if you'd let me know that you like tickled down there with uh, the old mustache, I would have. I would have grown uh, out. If, no problem. If we, at all. Get, if we ever get married again, you you get an attach back first thing. Potentially the biggest if in the history <laughs> of ifs. But let's get on with the tier list, shall we? We, of course, are going to rank these things. I've got two laptops on the go here, everybody. Yeah. So if I'm a bit out of sorts, um, this is too much for my small brain to compute. We have the best, lovely, 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 all right, just about bearable and get in the bin. And myself and Sam have collaborated to narrow down The Undertaker's 30-year run in WWE to nine different gimmicks, Sam. And we're kicking things off with the Western Undertaker. And when I say that, well, you know, it's the one that's arrived on WWE back in Survivor Series 19. Initially with Brother Love, then transitioned to Paul Bearer for a bit. You know what we're speaking about here, the hat, the grey gloves, the clothy shirt that was cut off at the arms, the walking around the ring very slowly, selling uh, his opponent's offence very rarely. But when he did, that made it mean all so much more. He loved body bags back then. He built his own coffins. When I say all of that to you, what's coming into your lovely bleached head? It's it's just uh, it's just feels, isn't it? Because this is a little bit before my time. This is, I mean, he debuted the year I was born, but classic Taker. Because I mean, it's weird as well. Because we've said gimmicks, but it's more like phases. Because he's his gimmicks have always been like quite similar, even if they're different. Like American Badass was still quite like you know, in line with how The Undertaker would be uh, if he just got really into bikes. But, yeah, it's just that sort of classic. The second I think about it, I see the the blue ring, I see the ropes, I see just 
the big lit up auditoriums and just classic, classic WWF. Uh, but yeah, you've ran down pretty much all the points I've got there. Um, <laughs> he had a cravat as well. He had a cravat. Uh, but he yeah, did have a saucy cravat. You got the emergence of Bearer. Oh my God, I've lost you. Hold on. There we go. Uh, you disappeared for a second. Um, but yeah, Just he, like The Undertaker did back <laughs> in the day. He obviously gets his first notch in the streak here against Snooker at WrestleMania 7 uh, and his first title win over Hogan, which, you know, by this point, Hogan was fading just a little bit, but still... It's a big, big win, that. Um, he also turns face real quick after uh, Jake the Snake wants to take it a bit too far and hit Elizabeth with, Elizabeth. with the chair. Yeah, he grabs hold of the back of the chair and prevents him from hurting her. Um, and then, yeah, we sort of slowly start transitioning. And this is something I didn't realize. It, it sort of happened throughout. I knew that it happened. There's one in particular gimmick change that it was really built up to and everything, which we'll talk about later. But there's always something that, about what's coming next that happens at the end of each taker phase. And so he starts bringing in the caskets and you get obviously Yokozuna and the casket. And then we move on to the next phase. Well, that was the big thing about you've, you've gone through the two big things that happened during this initial <laughs> run for the Undertaker, the title win, and then the face turn after being a heel initially, yep. of course. And then he brought in the casket matches, building his own caskets. It's fantastic stuff. Those vignettes they used to do the with, one. I think, Brucey e. P would um, produce those in the, the outhouse sort of thing, him building the, yeah. with a, a scary big chisel and <laughs> hammer. It was terrifying stuff. It was but this really, is, it's like, just well best, lit and everything. And yeah, Bearer looked great. Those were, I wish that we'd go back to old school vignettes like that because now it's all I mean out of the the moment this year it's obviously out of necessity um, but I, I wish we'd go back to more of the early 90s mid 90s early 2000s weird spooky on location stuff that isn't just for you know Bray Wyatt or building up to a certain feud I quite like the idea of just peppering in that flavor because it that says so much about the character like without even saying a word and in this day and age, it feels like now it'd be like, I'm going to go and build my coffins and I'm going to gonna hit you with three tombstones and I'm gonna, and it'll just telephone it, telephone it, telegraph it. Um, but I, I quite like the idea of these little vignettes making a return. And you, you mentioned there the very much shades of Ronan Keaton back in the day from The Undertaker <laughs> here because he said it best. When he said nothing at all. I'm sorry I had to do that. But that was the brilliant thing about this incarnation of The Undertaker is the fact that, yes, the early 90s, it wasn't the work rate era that we yeah. know and love today. It's the fact that he would literally do nout. He would stand around, say nothing apart from rest in peace occasionally. He would get in the ring. He would walk around very slowly. And all of a sudden, he would do that flying clothesline, then the tombstone. But even though he did very little, it was all still very well, captivating. It's, Less think, was more. But I think it, it's a direct response to the 80s, the Undertaker yeah. gimmick. Because the, the 80s, it's all very, you know, well, let me tell you something. And it's really aggressive and right up in the face. And it's loud and it's brash. And if you've got it on in the corner of a loud bar you can still hear Macho Man talk or Hulk Hogan talk or whatever. But when Taker just rocks up and doesn't say anything and, and he's just stood there looking all menacing and stuff and it, I think it just, it was so alien to the audience that you couldn't help but be sucked in by it and obviously it worked its way into a long and fruitful career for him just standing there and doing very little uh, for a while before absolutely bringing it in the ring. And we've got to mention Brother Love and Paul Bearer a bit more as well. So I don't know if you saw the mortician on the network. A fantastic documentary. I still haven't seen that one, but oh, it's Paul well Bearer worth a watch. fascinates me as a person. I, I, I heard, I think it was Pritchard's podcast on him. 
But I, I'd listened back through that and uh, like there was so much about him that I just didn't know. And then, yeah, when they, they announced this documentary, I, I completely forgot about it. I need to get it watched. Yeah, he was he was gone from the business completely to support his his, uh, his fledgling family. I was about to say there, his young family, I should say, <laughs> just married. He was out the business and he got a call from Vince McMahon, and he went to Stanford, Connecticut, to the headquarters, had the meeting about how they would bring him in, what gimmick they had, and then apparently Vince had his CV or something yeah. in front of him and said, "Mortician, funeral director, what's this about?" And then that's where old Paul Bearer began. So, yeah, apparently, uh, I think it was one of the Road Warriors g- came up with the name oh. Paul Bearer. Yeah, and then you. Like, apparently when he came in to do the interview, he was just so nice and polite, but he brought a CV and Vince thought it was the funniest thing. And he'd like just put it down. I remember hearing that and he like popped it down. It wasn't until like three quarters of the way through that he just glanced at it and was like, hang on a second. Yeah. But... Yeah, yeah. So just to mention the uh, brother love as well. It was the sort oh. of the darkness of the Undertaker, and then the over the top sort of silly bollocks of both brother love and then Paul Bearer that sort of made the Undertaker even more ominous. Is the fact he had this small fat lad next to him yeah. being a, the exact opposite of what he was. It was just a package that worked really well. Yeah, it was. It was just nice. I mean, brother loves it, its own thing entirely, and it, it fit really well. I think in a way with the Undertaker, but I mean, come on, Paul Bearer's perfection. He's the one. Thank God, Brucey P wanted to go to the uh, the, the the backstage role that he had because that was the yeah. thing. That was the thing that brought that brought Paul Barrett in is the fact that Brother Love couldn't be there for most of the house shows, and yeah. therefore Undertaker was just there by himself, and everyone was getting half the package. So they thought, oh, we need a, a specialist manager for the Undertaker, and that's where Paul Barrett was brought in. So we've got to say the best, isn't it, straight away? From oh the yeah, original. yeah, for sure. The Western, the Western Undertaker. I guess we're going to christen this one, but we're moving on now to. Uh, oh, do you 19- want me to quickly recap his streak matches while he was in? that first oh go on then sam well not recap as in you know massive detail but snooker at seven jake at eight and giant gonzalez at nine and about the match with giant gonzalez he said that it took years like working with him took years off his career and every single (laughs) night was a struggle because they had to just keep trying to work out what he was actually capable of but yeah those were the first three in the streak and it was as western taker so then we're fast forwarding all the way through to SummerSlam 1994. The Undertaker, of course, was sent away, floating away into the heavens by a, a, a gang of horrible men at the Royal Rumble <laughs> of 1994. He returns against the Undertaker at SummerSlam 1994. Who was his real his life cousin? Previously, sorry. Who was his real life cousin? Apparently, Brian Lee. Yeah, apparently so. Bloody hell! What a small world. That's we live according in. to Wikipedia, anyway. And as we know, <laughs> Wikipedia is the source. It's the best of all, source of yeah, information. You no, know, come on. It's because anybody can edit it, Sam. Exactly. Undertaker's probably on there himself, just <laughs> exactly. chiming away. No matter, no matter, <laughs> it's like Michael Scott said, no matter what topic you want to search about on Wikipedia, you're always going to get the best source of information because anybody <laughs> from any specialist field can edit it. But of course, the Undertaker would return at, uh, at SummerSlam 1994 with sort of like the gingerish tone of his hair had gone. We'd been dyed jet black. We had the jet black goatee, which sort of heightened the really pale skin. Yeah. The grey had been swapped out for purple. Uh, what else do you want to say about the look so, take when he came back? And the, the first out in, he sort of they would they weren't afraid to do the whole gaunt face makeup and everything with him way back in the day when he first was around. This time they took it from being more like outwardly evil and dark and brooding to just being a normal looking person. And giving him that sort of, you know, just the full jet black hair and everything. He still had that same menacing look. It just, it wasn't accentuated by the makeup and everything. It just, for me, it was more viable. I think this is potentially up there as one of my favorite takers of all time. But yeah, I mean, it just, I think it made it more brooding and it fit more with the culture at the time. 
Yeah, because it was a sort of, the start of a very gradual process of humanising the Undertaker. Because yeah. obviously when we had the, the Western Undertaker, he would sell very little because he was a dead man walking. I know that would come about in a later <laughs> time, but he was literally a dead man walking. But this was now a time where both, well, in ring, he was allowed to sell more, but he was allowed to do more offence. We saw him yeah. just gradually, step by step by step, become more of a, like, I don't want to say bog standard wrestler, but you know what I mean when I say that. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, he, he just sort of gradually transitioned into the role of WWE superstar rather than you know, actual undead man from Death Valley. Yeah. And I tell you what, you were saying about the lack of makeup. I quite like what they were doing at that time with the sort of the purple yeah, accents on his little, eyes. Which a is... little bit of hue to make him look like he's been, you know, asleep for a very long time or awake for a very long time. And yeah, just, he looked a bit more corpsey. Bashing all kinds of coke. That's yeah. what this undertaker was doing. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously this, um, he would have the, the sort of big mania matches. No matter what Corey Graves was saying there, uh, WrestleMania 12 is definitely where Undertaker versus Diesel happened, Sam. I hope it yes. says that on your notes yes. because yes, Corey, <laughs> Corey Graves at SummerSlam was like, no, no, Michael Cole, I remember from my childhood it was WrestleMania 11 or 13, definitely not 12. <laughs> you, could have had, you could have had the JBL situation where you just completely forgot which event it was. <laughs> what, what's that about? Uh, I'm sure he's talking with Booker T about um, being in a Survivor Series match together, and Booker T's just like that was Booker was T's fault. Uh, Booker T was like, "Oh yeah, me and JBL, we were both in the sort of the original Elimination Chamber at Survivor Series," and JBL was like, "Huh? What you on about Booker that was T? It. I couldn't remember which way it was." <laughs> um, but anything else about the sort of OG Dead Man so, in this incarnation? Yeah, there's some interesting stuff. So obviously, we've won over all the aesthetics and the sort of lay of the land when he returned. Um, a few weeks after SummerSlam 95, though, he would go on to break his orbital bone and he'd be given a mask uh, and that would basically cover the top of his face like the Phantom of the Opera. If you've seen it, you know what we're on about. It's just like a very pale, grey, purpley, white mask that was just built to protect his facial region, obviously. Um, I've got a thing to say about that mask, Sam, which yeah. we have discussed about in a previous tier ranking, but just in case somebody hasn't seen that, <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Mankind's original mask, you know, the brown leather, yeah. that was one of the designs put to The Undertaker when he broke that orbital bone. Oh. So if Undertaker didn't pick that Phantom of the Opera thing, he could have been rocking up in Mankind's and original brown leather with a press like studs. Mason sort of the Mutilator with more of a metal mask for Mankind, I guess. Mm. But uh, yeah, so we had the orbital bone break, uh, the emergence of mankind, as we're talking about right now. Um, and he attacks Taker in a match against Bradshaw, uh, which leads to the first boiler room brawl, uh, where Bearer then betrays his own creation, sides with mankind, and Undertaker then goes on this massive voyage to get revenge. It also led to the first ever buried alive match, with Taker ultimately being buried despite winning the match. <laughs> the executioner and all that malarkey. And that's yeah. what would send Undertaker off for a little bit of time off, just, I guess, the heel niggling injuries and whatnot. And then he yeah. would come back with the next thing we're going to talk about. But, but when I say OG dead... What? Other than that, real quick, just on the other notes I've got here, uh, the street matches, uh, he had Bundy and, as you've said, Diesel. So Bundy was 11, Diesel was 12. There we are. So where are we saying for OG dead man, in your opinion? See, I'd put him in the best, but I, I don't know if that's purely from a an aesthetics thing in my childhood and you know that's when I first started watching really um, I'd, I'd put him up there but I don't know I, what do you think I reckon if we're going to just solely compare it between original Western Deadman Undertaker and this one I reckon it's a step down yeah just I don't know if that's just because it's less iconic when you think about The Undertaker you think of I guess 
primarily more the Western dead man mortician sort of undertaker. I still with the purple, but that's what I mean. I think it's more of an aesthetic thing as to why I remember that is that the purple stands out in my mind more on his fists and his shins and stuff. But in terms of the actual storylines here, we're not quite at a level where Undertaker's permeating everything, but it's starting to get there. But yeah, I think maybe just a step below Western Taker. Not saying it's bad or anything. It's still great, but just it's just behind that. This is a hard tier ranking to do because people will now be going mental in the comments. Yeah, going, well, How that, can you that's... put that below that? They're all fantastic, though, aren't they? They're all great. It's like <laughs> picking a favorite child, I guess. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. So then we fast forward through to Survivor Series 1996, where Batman debuts in <laughs> WWE. Not really. It's The Undertaker who descends from the heavens with some bat wings. Sam, quickly, what were your thoughts on that entrance? Because I loved it, me. Yeah, I really like it. I, I, the thing about Taker that, like, well, in terms of going back over his looks and stuff, with the, the whole cape and the wings and everything as it was, whatever the hell it is, you know what I want about the huge shoulder pads and everything. It's been something we've seen throughout, but I'd, I'd still, I don't know, when I think back to like any figures I would have wanted, that was the one. Like they have an elite version of it and I still want it. I don't have it. But um, it's just, they full like they fully go in on the goth angle here with Taker uh, as American culture is slowly moving more toward like Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails and all that music's coming through. Taker's starting to get darker. This would mark the darkest phase of The Undertaker so far. And it's just, it's great, isn't it? It's just great. Yeah, especially that Survivor Series attire, the return attire at Survivor Series, I should say. Yeah. Very much Anne Summers inspired, I would say. If I was a, <laughs> a, a dominate, dominatrix, is, is that the male version, Sam? You would know better than me. I, I don't know where this has come from. This is sort of devious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess like a, a dominate. A, if dominate. Dominator. Dominator, yes. Dominator. A dominant Mysterio. Um, if I was to be one of them, I would oh, wear what Undertaker wore in that, in that match especially. Would it be not be like Saboteur? Would it be Dominator? That's a fancy I've word. I've got no though. idea. Anybody but knows? Yeah. Let me know in the comments. Yeah, Tell us some juicy stories. Dominators out there. <laughs> Whips and chains excite me. You know, so yes, we spoke about earlier. Uh, Man uh, sorry, Undertaker winning that Buried Alive match against Mankind, but ultimately getting buried alive himself. That would send him off. He would come back here. The massive coal miners' gloves, I guess we can call, yeah. describe them as, they were gone and being swapped in for some sort of fingerless biker gloves because he likes to type on his... <laughs> what would he type in on back then in 1996? Uh, automatic <laughs> typewriter. Or a very, <laughs> very rudimentary, like, I don't know, what did we have in school? Acorn PCs with, the, like, four keys. And there was all he loved his Etch-A-Sketch outside, so he did the Undertaker. <laughs> Making some lovely pictures on the Etch-A-Sketch. But that, they were brought in, sorry? Is it, did they ever address it here? Because I'd read a rumour somewhere that it was, like, he was getting into early MMA and stuff uh, as it was breaking through, and it was, it was literally the MMA gloves, and he was like, they're genius, I'll be able to sort of make it look like I'm still wearing gloves, have the dexterity to do stuff, and it looks badass. Yeah, it's and interesting. He made them his own, didn't he, for the longest time until... Yeah, yeah. I'm no MMA aficionado myself, no, but when you think of I. MMA gloves, you think of Undertaker with a padding on. Yeah. But these ones, when he came back here, they had no padding whatsoever. They were just literally like bike finger, bike fingerless gloves. biking yeah. gloves. Yeah, so if they, if they were how MMA gloves were back then, which they might have been because... It's the dark ages back then, isn't it? So, yeah, they I probably don't know, I don't know, wrapped their hands in bacon before every fight because <laughs> gloves wouldn't be invented for another 15 years. <laughs> but along with the gloves, the uh, the trench coat that was gone in favour of more robes and more, you know, bat wings and more yeah. flamboyant. It was almost of, like, like dark and... satanic churchy type thing. 
A lot of and uh, also as well in terms of aesthetics, we saw the tear tattoo face paint, whatever it's meant to be, sort yeah. of thing like he'd been in prison. So uh, a teardrop indicates uh, like a, a, a homicide in certain criminal circles. So they started adding that to him to, I guess, give it that extra little bit of... Because, I mean, if he's a dead man and we know that he's a dead man, what was he doing when he was alive? So if he's proper evil, then surely he was a bit evil while he was alive. It might make sense that he's murdered somebody. Yeah. I, I think it looks a bit silly, especially he's got like, there's a, a photo of him out there with the teardrop, like a little cowboy. It looks like a little Kurt Angle cowboy hat and he's just side on just going. And it, it, I laugh every time when I see it. But yeah, it, it, as I said, it, it's just a much darker phase overall. So I think they sort of did lean in, especially when we get toward like um, the ministry stuff. They lean really far in on the robes and all of that. And yeah. Did you prefer the, the trench coat and the hat? Or did you prefer the more flamboyish late 90s robes? I I think I preferred the robes, but I get the trench coat more. And like, as he's gotten older, the trench coat's made more sense. It's been more like he's just a guy that lives in the desert and buries people. And that is it. <laughs> he's just like the last guy living in a ghost town type look. That's his modern taker, I guess. So it's been a long voyage to get there, but he's always sort of skirted around it, I guess. Yeah, and this, is this, this gimmick continued the humanization of The Undertaker because yep. we found out a lot more about the backstory of The Undertaker here. He was spe- speaking about that meaning killing a man. He should have <laughs> technically had three because at this period of time, we would eventually learn via the Kane feud, which is still my favorite. The Kane's arrival in WWF is still my favorite storyline in WWE history. We would learn that Undertaker murdered his parents in a house fire and he also believed until Kane appeared in WWE that he saw off his baby brother as well. So he, he should have had three tears on his cheek. But this, as I say about the humanization of The Undertaker, a lot more speaking happened yeah. from The Undertaker well, himself with this gimmick. Lying here. as well, lying, because he obviously, he would eventually go on to take credit for burning down the family home. Mm. Uh, but initially, it was Kane's fault. It was all Kane's fault. And that was how he spun it. Um, and, you know, we got Kane and the voice box and all of that greatness out of it. But yeah, like that turn in the reveal where Taker's like, no, it was actually me. And like, I just, yeah, he aligns with Bearer and uh, then promises the Ministry of Darkness, obviously, which is what I said before. Like, it always seems to, there's a little hint for what's coming next at the end of every phase of Taker. But a couple of really weird points here. Uh, well, really weird. Well, we had the Shark Cage match with Bearer suspended above the ring. Um, the title win, a Mania 13 from Sid. As you said, the debut of Kane. Uh, he made a rare appearance for Michinoku Pro against Takushi. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, we get the uh, Mania 14 match versus Kane. And they were never good matches, were they? But it was all about the build and the character work and all of that. Well, so that was, that was, we I, spoke about this before, haven't we? How the, the sort of in-ring action sort of let itself down in terms of Undertaker versus Kane all the time. But look at WrestleMania 34. Like, it wasn't really a match. I wouldn't really consider it a match. He just rolled over Cena. But, like, the build to that, I couldn't care that it was only, like, you know, a minute and a half or whatever. Like, the build to that was so entertaining. And Cena sprinting off up the ramp and everything, like, it... I don't know. It, like, once he gets in that ring, he could just, you know, hit a couple of clotheslines, big boot, go home. But, like, I don't know. It's it's always the storylines that captivate me with Taker. The other thing to notice here, uh, sorry, to note here is that uh, as things would heat up, we would have more back and forth with Mankind. And in 1998, we would have the infamous Mankind versus Undertaker King of the Ring match. 
And I don't think anybody has spoken about that match since. No, it's so, you know, it, it lost to the annals of time. <laughs> Along with something that happened in Montreal a year earlier. But, you know. Yeah. I, and, and yeah, yeah. And obviously Undertaker at this point sat backstage waiting for Shawn Michaels and stuff. It's all groundbreaking stuff we're breaking here on this tier list video. <laughs> but interestingly, I just heard you mention the match against Sid. The attire for that match, he did bring back more of a mortician look for it with the gloves and whatnot. Ah, do you remember? Yeah. I, I never picked up on that until just last, I caught a picture while making the pictures for this tier list of that match where he sat there with a belt in the ring holding it up and then you see he's got the ghost back on and stuff like that. So Do you reckon he got to the venue the and his motion. gear designer was there and, and he was like, I said an XL, Sandra, come on. <laughs> and he's had to go to like the prop box and just find bits. Yeah, but uh, this gimmick was obviously brought out. Uh, so a lot of time for this gimmick was taken up with the feud with Kane, and that's how the gimmick would come to an end, where Kane locked his big brother in a casket, put the axe through the, the casket several times, and then set the casket on fire. And then, would, uh, as you mentioned there earlier as well, there were subtle hints to what was to come with reference in this higher power and a ministry was coming to take over WWF back then, obviously. But um, what we call this, the Lord of Darkness. What are you saying about the Lord of Darkness? It's certainly spicy. Like, this is... Spicy. This is prime childhood view in this. Like, so I think it's always going to hold a special place. But when you take it away, does it stand up? And I think it does stand up. He's done more here with this phase of his gimmick than anything before. Um, but... I'll in tell you what sets it apart, in my opinion, Sam, is yeah. the fact that Hitler, once again, we're continuing this allowing of Undertaker to be more of a wrestler. Yeah. We had more more wrestler, wrestler, Undertaker in this gimmick for me. So that's what sets it apart from the OG dead man, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, it's... For me, I think the fact that we're seeing more and more range out of him means that this was very much a step forward. I mean, because if it hadn't worked out, would we even be talking about the Undertaker today? Like, to the level that we do. So I think... For me, might go up there, you know, it might be number one. <laughs> it's definitely in the best, but we'll find out at the end of the video which is the best of the best. Yeah. I'm going to put all that pressure on you, Sam, so look forward to that, dear. Lovely. So we had, yeah, this one, uh, streak matches. We had Sid at 13 and Kane at 14 for anybody keeping track at home. Get your bingo cards out. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to read out 22. <laughs> <laughs> So then, of course, we move on to the Ministry of Darkness Undertaker, who was answering to a higher power, which, of course, would be revealed to be Vince McMahon, who orchestrated the kidnapping and almost the satanic ritual wedding of his own daughter. Yes. That makes that makes sense in some sort of universe, but certainly not mine, Sam. I, uh, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. He could have wound up impregnating her if that angle gone ahead. So. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, but obviously, in terms of aesthetics... The flamboyant robes, they would just get bigger yeah. and more darker and sort of more crow references with feathers and whatnot. Yeah. It looked lovely. It became would have the blurry. goatee, would have the pale skin, would have a slightly longer haircut with the Jericho top knot sort of. Yeah. That was before Jericho was even a thing, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, what were you making of the appearance of Ministry Undertaker? Uh, it, it's just leaning really heavily into, again, all of the like churchy aspects, like the Dark Disciples and all of the language that he'd used for so long just sort of being made real and again as american culture slipped more and more toward heavier and darker themes in media so did the undertaker character um but i mean the higher power is the thing that i guess dominates this whole side of things you've got the corporate ministry i guess uh but he does get injured toward the end of this run 
And it's weird because I think it's this is the point where we start seeing the reason that the ministry was grown to a level it was grown is I think he had a nagging injury. Hold on. Yeah, he had a nagging injury in his groin. And that allowed him to sort of be on the outside a bit more and, and, you know, be sort of funneling all of the heat that way. And he would even get on commentary. He would, it was again, more humanizing the Undertaker, using them how he could be used at the time. Um, but I thought it was interesting that, you know, a groin tear led to, like an accident, I guess, led to more humanization of him. Eventually, toward the end of this run, I'll just mention it now, uh, he'd then tear his pec and that would put him out of commission for eight months. So like, there was a lot of time for them to just do stuff with him and sort of keep him around and this was the perfect way to do it. And yeah, you were speaking about earlier the sort of hints as to what was to come in the next incarnation of The Undertaker. If you watch that final segment of his as the leader of the Ministry of Darkness, Triple H has challenged him to a, a, a casket match, I think it is. Undertaker, basically, he stood there dressed, sunglasses, sort of denim WF branded yeah. shirt. Looks very much like the uh, American badass Undertaker. He goes, no, Triple H, I don't want to fight you. I'm going to quit the company. And off he went, as you said, to re rehab the groin and the peck for eight months before he came back as the American badass. But we're going to speak about the, the Ministry of Darkness a bit more. The satanic rituals, the speaking in tongues, yeah. those vignettes in that warehouse where he sat there in the, the, the Taker symbol throne yeah. with the flames going up everywhere behind him. That is my favourite, I think, just in terms of pure aesthetics, if nothing else. That's yeah. my favorite Undertaker. Those, uh, they apparently shot a lot of that stuff out in Bridgeport, Connecticut at the time. I don't know if all this stuff was, but um, all of the intro to Raw and if you played like the Warzone game and all of the shots of like the old foundries and warehouses and smash windows and barking dogs and all of that stuff where they have the fire and explosions and everything. They just shot all that in abandoned warehouses. They got that aesthetic like completely bob on. But it, oh, it's just so good. It's so good aesthetically, that that whole setup. And again, I wish they would do more. I get why not, because it costs a lot of money, I guess, to produce. But it, it's just very time and place that. It, like, it, it just, it's one of those rare things where I think if you see it and you were watching at the time as a kid, it just, you just go back. It's like when we were at Mania 32 and we just stood there going, oh, that's cool. We got, we got, you know, these guys. Okay, yeah, we got Mick Foley. We got Shawn Michaels. And then Austin's music hit. And after about 10, 15 seconds, we just woke back up. We were like <laughs> on our feet going like, what? <laughs> okay, right, yeah. We just sort of immediately lost our minds. But I think that's the sort of similar thing that seeing these old vignettes does. Yeah. Um, so where are you saying for Ministry of Darkness Undertaker? Because this is a hard one. Yeah. Because obviously the, the groin injury was there throughout this gimmick, which is why he didn't wrestle as much as he did. So in terms of in-ring stuff, it just simply wasn't as good no. as the Lord well, of Darkness. It, it gave us some memorable moments. The crucifixion, trying to embalm Austin. He tries to have Kane committed. Uh, we get the rising tide with the, the, the ministry, people that were going to go on to do more within the company. Uh, well, some of them anyway. So we had uh, the brood, Obviously, Edge, Christian, and Gangrel. Uh, the Acolytes, uh, JBL and uh, Farouk, Ron Simmons. Um, and then we had Midian and Viscera. And it just sort of cushioned Taker so that he could sort of be at the center of a storyline without having to obviously completely knacker his body. <laughs> yeah, and we spoke about earlier the sort of kinkiness and maybe the, the dominator aspect of Undertaker's attire. Yes. When he goes on, off on Christian and starts whipping him when Christian's chained up and starts just, punishing just him that look way. At, oh. Just look at how Midian dressed afterwards. <laughs> Midian enjoyed it. Midian got a lot out of that. <laughs> 
Yeah, so where are we going for the Ministry of Darkness Undertaker? It's a weird one. It's sort of great. Well, rank, isn't it, in terms of the rest of them? Because it's yeah. still great, but like, is it as good? It was more of a moments gimmick than a than an in-ring classic gimmick. But I, I mean, the least we can say is lovely, lovely, lovely. So I guess we're going to put it in that one because it's yeah, maybe I, not quite as good as thing, the other two. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's bad by any stretch. It's just different. It's sort of like the anomalous Undertaker because there was a lot of lost time there, I guess, with injury that we've we've lost a bit of that and and it's just sort of been pushed over but it still gave us a lot of great moments and Vince is all about moments so yeah and of course he hung big boss man oh god at yeah Wrestle, at Wrestlemania so, yeah, 15 uh, <laughs> yeah his street matches were boss man at 15 in this gimmick <laughs> that was it uh, I'm going to quickly see if we've got anything else down here oh yeah we had the the start of the Unholy Alliance with Big Show as well or sort of like yeah. the, the start the start and end of that very brief window uh, the Unholy Alliance to because I think at this point he torn his peck now. Uh, he would just push Big Show. He'd be like, "Go on, you can do it, you can do it." And he'd like it was sort of like he would put Big Show in situations that he couldn't be in. Uh, ultimately, it, it didn't really work out that partnership. But you know, Big it Show was very much to do very much mirroring backstage because when uh, Big Show arrived from WCW, obviously. He'd been doing all these elbow drops off the top rope and all these amazing yeah. feats of athleticism. And Undertaker was like, no, that's not how us big men do the <laughs> wrestling. So you sit under my dark and disturbing ministry learning tree, Big Show. I'll be a tag team partner. And then Carly but- rocks up like 10 years later and shows them how it's really done. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, I've, I've seen Big Show speak about it a few times now. And I do feel like Undertaker made things uncomfortable for Big Show when he first arrived from WCW. Yeah. And this sort of was mirrored on TV with that Unholy Alliance tag team. It's something that that has been long rumored about big big man wrestlers is that they're they're quite fragile or they can be quite fragile when if they're like the big guy in the territory and then you bring another big guy in it's like well you're not happy with me because like you know they would I guess historically have one big attraction and it would be like a big lumbering heel that would come in and and you know get worked over David versus Goliath style but mm-hmm. Yeah, you hear a lot about it. There's a couple of stories. I think there was one about Big Show and Carly and Big Show not being happy about that whole thing. And it's all, you know, rumor and hearsay, but it's interesting that that's sort of something that has been rumored for such a long time. And it's interesting that Big Show and Undertaker had that little bit of little bit of ructions. Mm. So there we have it then. Ministry Undertaker is in lovely, 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 which feels weird, but in the context of this tier ranking. Yeah. I think it's he's, okay. He's the anomaly when it comes to yeah. the taker, I think. Hampered brilliance, we'll say, Sam. <laughs> Hampered by a massive groin injury and a, tell, and a torn titty. <laughs> Fast forward to Judgment Day 2000, we go to the big return of The Undertaker, but it's also a debut because for the first time ever, we're seeing a real humanised, real human being Undertaker, the man who was always behind the dead man stuff. He returns on his motorcycle, he's got his gingerish hair back, the hair dye's been put back in the cupboard he attacks Vince McMahon he attacks everybody who's standing inside that ring and the American biker the American badass undertaker arrives with Kid Rock playing in the background I'm an American badass watch me you can roll with us so you can radio edit because it says (laughs) suck my dick there (laughs) but as as I say American badass Sam what's coming to your mind there uh, it's always it's the motorbikes, man. Come on, it was the coolest thing when you're like nine years old and he's out there on a bike. And the the weird thing with American Badass Taker is like American Badass Taker is like what I think people imagine bikers are like, and then Big Evil is what bikers 
I guess are really like, but well, not all bikers. You know what I mean? Like American Badass is like the public view of a biker gang member. Big Evil's more like, let's just do it. Like behaves more like he's in a biker gang. But I mean, however, it's it's so what, cheesy that it's great. Biker gang related news. Um, I was watching, I think it was on the Austin second podcast he did. Yeah. He reviewed, I guess you've seen that picture of when Undertaker's getting his first tattoo and he's got his shirt off and Paul Bear is behind him. Yeah. He was saying just behind the camera is Hell's Angels. Really? They were there. They were oh, there watching cool. him. And apparently the he was saying the tattoo artist is one of those ones, I don't know what phrase he used, but digging it in hard. And when he was wiping it, he wiped it really hard. Yeah. And then Undertaker was like, oh, I've got to try and rough this out and show him a really big, tough guy because the Hell's Angels are sat there. Ma- and then he wrestled He wrestled Ultimate Warrior the next night after having his tattoo. And he said it was on his outside of his right forearm, so it was all swollen <laughs> up. So he was saying to uh, Ultimate Warrior, please just don't touch yeah, that arm, on, it's like- quite sore. And guess what Ultimate Warrior didn't do? Oh, what a dick. He just grabbed him by the arm and said, it was like, oh, my God. I don't know how it did not blow out. It's just, yeah, oh, that's Warrior, man. Warrior's his own, Warrior's his entire own thing. Um, he's a dickhead. <laughs> but, yeah, it makes more sense then if, if it was, you know, he's getting tattooed and there was some Hells Angels there because, like, around this time, bikers probably looked like bikers. So it fits. The double denim, the leather pants and stuff, and the cut-off and, yeah. It, it's it's class. But, I mean, in terms of what I've got here, obviously you mentioned uh, the McMahon-Helmsley faction taking them out. He then teams with Kane only to get betrayed, and I think he gets choke slammed through, through the, the ring. ring. Yeah. Um, he removes Kane's mask at SummerSlam 2000 only for Kane to run out of the arena like that, which gave us that one shot of Kane. That's all, that's all I saw until he was actually unmasked on television yeah. was that one where he's got the, bl- the blood on his forehead, yeah, just, the hair's down in front of his face, hands. and he's got the, yeah. the darkness around the eyes, and that's yeah. all I'd seen. That was all, all the mystique. Remember when mystique was a thing in pro wrestling? Yeah, you just it, sit there and you, you'd wonder and wonder and wonder, and now the internet exists and <laughs> K-Fame's got twats, twats like us take all the fun out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he got tricked by Kurt and Eric Angle at Survivor Series 2000. I believe he was supposed to face Kurt and then went straight up against actual shooter, pew-pew, Eric Angle. Uh, he chokeslam Rikishi off the cell, of course, at Armageddon 2000. Uh, reunited with Kane, and, and the whole Brothers of Destruction thing happened. Um, and then two-man power trip, a little bit of a dalliance with them. Uh, and then DDP, the stalker angle with Sarah, and that was just... What a way to debut DDP. I mean, it, it's good in a way because, you know, he's debuting with one of the biggest stars in, in modern wrestling, but as the stalker of his wife. Oh, man. Especially when DDP was married to Kimberly at the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're into what you're into, but in my opinion, that doesn't matter anyway. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes, the Brothers of Destruction is obviously the the highlight of this run for me. Uh, just seeing those two... Because yeah. it was, a, as, as they mentioned, I don't know if you saw the documentary where they're sat there speaking to each other, Undertaker and Kane, that got brought out recently. Have you seen that one? Uh, I've seen bits of that one, I believe. I've got so little time. <laughs> just, it's, it's, it's fine, it's fine. It's uh, They were just sat there going, it was a hard thing for WWE to book because obviously you've got these two. I know Undertaker was now was the American badass. He was a normal man. He dropped all the mystical, I can shoot lightning from my hands and make fire appear and stuff. Yeah. But Kane was still the big scary monster. So you've got this big, massive scary biker man you've got this big massive masked mystical terrifying man you've got those two together who can really wrestle them and come out of it looking yeah. human still <laughs> so they were sort of back themselves into a corner with that but still the visual of Undertaker and Kane and the thing yeah. that was brought in with that especially and I guess we saw a bit later 
when we had the stuff with Kurt Angle when Kurt Angle was coming out with the, the scooter and the, sort of doing the cosplay <laughs> of the American Badass. Um, comedy was worming its way in with The Undertaker for the first real time, I guess. We obviously had stuff yeah. when he was the proper dead man where he would do things. It would be ha-ha funny because he was the dead man doing things the dead man wouldn't do. But now he was playing the straight guy and acting and sort of doing... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of like just off the cuff. The word's gone completely from your mind, Sam. Spontaneous. Uh, off the cuff sort of acting sort of yeah. on, on the fly in little scenes backstage and stuff and showing that uh, again that range was my, growing and growing and growing my favourite ever funny Undertaker moment it's not it's the next phase of Undertaker but it, it's when he gets drafted and, and he's he not just, happy about he it he just kicks the door yeah. <laughs> he just throws it and it's just dead silent and he just gets up and he's just like <sighs> boots the door and it's so good uh, and yeah um Obviously, with uh, sort of 10 years of injuries on his body by this stage, I know he's just had eight months out, but 10 years of wear and tear on the body, the, the, the change of style, it went more brawler. It went more Stone Cold Steve Austin yeah. with a bit more MMA influence brought into it as well. And, of course, would debut the last ride as his finisher um, in this gimmick. So it's, we're changing not only the look, but we're also changing the style and the substance of what he was doing at the time as well. Yeah. I, I had it. I'm sure he had a, a hip replacement around this time, but I, I don't know. I it's in my notes somewhere. I'll mention it as, and when we get there, but, uh, yeah, the, the whole changing up of the, the move set and everything, it, it just made so much sense. Yeah. I think it, it was great. And the last ride's a hell of a finisher, man. It's so good. So good, Kane can't even do it properly. Yeah. Oh, Remember the, that, bit of, that slice of comedy with Kane in the ring trying to do it and his, his big brother showing him how to do it? Oh. You've got to extend the arms. Yeah, you silly goose. Uh, the only other two things to note here about the American badass era is that he defended WWF's honor at Survivor Series 2001, fending off those horrible, awful Alliance members. Uh, and yeah, the, the only streak match that he had in this period of time was against Triple H at 17. Where I think it was Mike Kyoto was the referee who died. <laughs> do you remember when the ref takes the bump and then they go fuck, they do the bit around the outside of the ring and through the crowd where yeah. Triple H takes the chokeslam off the scaffold and yeah. into the bed, into the nice comfy bed, bloody camera <laughs> angles. But Mike, I think Mike Kyoto is the referee is who just dies and just time? just down the entire. I think it's like oh, ten to fifteen minutes no, where they're on the outside Mike. the ring and Mike Kyoto is just not there. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise to Mike Kyoto if it's not Mike Kyoto. But Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm pretty sure it's Mike Yoda. But um, yeah, American Badass Undertaker, best. Yeah, I think in and terms got- of, I mean, come on, the meme value alone of Rolling, uh, the that crossover with again current mainstream media, like he had Kid Rock at the height of Kid Rock's initial fame, I guess, because he would get bigger later on with whatever he did in the last 10 years. But um, <laughs> then he had Limp Biscuit, who were obviously the biggest band on earth for about, you know, a year or so. Uh, and it had appearances with uh, Fred Durst and stuff with the company. And it Taker just seemed to be really on the forefront, strangely, of of the way that American civilization was going. And he just sort of moved along with it. Like he was just caught up by the tide and swept away. But I think with him being the most, like, other than Steve Austin and The Rock and Hulk Hogan, Taker is, you know, by this point, very much a household name and everybody knows who he is. And yeah, it's just interesting when you see that he's always sort of moved with that darkening trend. Yeah. Uh, It's mental. I haven't got the exact uh, age he was back then written down, but I'm sure he was about 35 when this was all happening. And it's just mad to think that Undertaker was once 35. Do you reckon he was sat there going... (laughs) Five more years, and I'll go buy myself Probably. a nice ranch. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody divorces, they're having to pay their bills for three or four different wives, eh? That's what they're all like, these wrestlers. But, it's all right, um, he stops by home and he hugs his mom in full gimmick, though. <laughs> yeah, his, little, his little tiny mom. It's, yeah, so, it's, it's adorable. Nice but anyway, um, American Badass Undertaker, I think, I think it's in the best. Yeah, it's, especially, sure. this is when I was getting into wrestling properly as well, watching SmackDown on a Saturday what? morning on Sky One. That's and exactly Undertaker it. and Kane just doing things yeah. to, to men. Unbelievable stuff. <laughs> do, 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 boom, do, do, do. You've done it now. Come on, Sam. I was expecting you to join in with me. I gave you the big build up. I, I know. I, I, I was waiting for because I know you enjoy doing it so much. It's my favorite. I, the, gargle, I couldn't like the, proper, the proper gargling a mouthful of hot soup voice. <laughs> I'll now. tell you what. I was born in 1992, so I was around 10 years old when Big Evil came on the scene in WWE. Um, And when they took away Roland and replaced it with, obviously, initially the instrumental version and then the one with words, I was akapot. I was irate. I wasn't happy at all. But it's it's aged like a fine wine. It's a grower, yeah. It's aged like a fine wine. It's a fantastic professional wrestling theme. And I'm not going to sing it now because I've done it a million times on this channel and no doubt people are sick of it. Go on. uh, Come on. No, no, Sam, I can't upset the people. You've got to give the people what they want. And what they want is for me not to <laughs> sing ever again. But we've got Big Evil and or Booga Red Undertaker now, whatever Booga Red meant back in the day. I, yeah. Because to me still, it means a bloody bogey. A bogey Red. that's been so deep in your nose, it's just got a bit of blood on it. A ginger-haired bogeyman, maybe? I, <laughs> no, I still don't know what he was going for with it. I'm the bogeyman. It was, it was JR uh, that called him it, right? It was... Yeah, it's, yeah. And speaking of JR, obviously Booger Red um, differentiates himself from uh, the American Badass Undertaker because he was a heel instead of a baby face. He turned heel by hurting Jim Ross and making Jim Ross kiss Vince McMahon. Tushy. <laughs> yeah, that one sounds when um, we get to the edit. It can be very oh. ASMR, that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Big Evil Take. <laughs> I didn't we'll see, see what you were doing, so I was just talking. I just hear you go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he comes back with uh, the hair clipped for the first time. 
Um, what a what a shocker that was. Yeah, my mum was like, yeah, he cut his hair. Like, my mum... My, my mum was exactly like that. She's like, e, no men should have long <laughs> hair. I'm very happy he's done that. <laughs> I think, yeah, my mum was trying to, to dissuade me from growing my hair out. Uh, but yeah, the big evil did nothing to stop that. Uh, but yeah, as I said, he came back with more of a... More of a violent, almost like bouncer look to him. Like a he, big bully, a big he sort of bully. That's what I work on down. the weekends as a bouncer type bloke. Like he, he just looked menacing. He looked like trouble, and I love that. I think it's great. Yeah. And it was all about respect, as Ali G would say. It yes. was all about respect. He wanted to get respect from his peers. I think uh, I got a good school report in two thousand and two, and me man went to Woolworths and said, "Pick any VHS you want to, Ross, <laughs> for a good school report." So I picked No Way Out two thousand and two. He has a he has a match there against The Rock, where the entire feud is all about respect and how The Rock doesn't respect the Undertaker, yeah. and how Undertaker's going to win and all that malarkey and get his respect. But um, the MMA influence was hyped up here once again because we we're speaking about earlier the gloves that he had with the uh, the Lord of Darkness, yeah. the fingerless biker gloves. But now he's got the proper what we would recognise today as proper boys. MMA gloves with a pattern and whatnot yeah. and the style was in, uh, changing once again it was evolving less of a brawler slight just slightly though not like what we would see when the next incarnation of the taker yeah. with the hell's gate chokehold and all that but it was getting there we were changing things up again yeah and i mean like he was proper heel as 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 f heel af um but he did some good things in this time as well he did some like you know, accidentally really nice things, like when Maven eliminates him from the Rumble. That was huge, huge for Maven's yeah. career. Not that it would, you know, pan out amazingly anyway, but, you know, Maven at the time was like a fresh name and this was a huge moment for him. It was really funny with Taker just not being able to believe it and then getting back in and eliminating himself. Uh, and also you had the make yourself famous kid moment with Jeff Hardy. And that yeah. was where he that eventually was his, turned his really face. face turn, yeah. yeah. He lifts up Jeff's hand after a very hard-fought match, and the crowd appreciated it deeply. Uh, the only other thing I've got here is uh, from this earlier phase in Big Evil, though, is he defeats Flair at Mania 18. I can't do it. I've got the dexterity. The first time the streak was referenced, Sam, on the apron after he beat Flair. Oh, really? No, remember the, that was the first time they made a thing about it was WrestleMania X8 when he did the thing with his hands on the apron. Nice. Um, telling her at WrestleMania. And then uh, what else have I got written? Uh, what else is there? There's John Cena and Randy Orton. That's what I was going to speak about. Obviously, those two young whippersnappers arrive on the scene on SmackDown. Yes, yeah. And who was there to sort of... I thought uh, there was the documentary that the Randy Orton was on. Wagon. I guess you haven't seen that one either. Huh? <laughs> the welcome wagon of the Undertaker. The welcome... <laughs> <laughs> um, but Randy Orton's on that documentary speaking about how much offence... Undertaker gave him even then um, yeah. to sort of help get him his career off to the races. And obviously we had the stuff backstage with John Cena, ruthless aggression, he slaps Kurt Angle, he goes yeah. backstage and then gets the seal of approval from The Undertaker. And I guess off the top of my head, the only thing I can think of is the the, the crate where he got a dog as a present on SmackDown. Ah, oh. oh. The other two things that I've got down here, uh, he was drafted to Raw initially in 2002, uh, on the, the first draft, and then we had, was it the supplemental draft in August? Uh, at which point he was drafted to SmackDown, uh, where that would remain his home until 2011, once mm -hmm. the, they brought it all back together again. 
He was Mr. Smackdown, wasn't he? And of yeah. course, we've got to mention the undisputed title win. It, I think it was Judgment Day 2002, another event I had on VHS, yes. where he defeated Hulk Hogan with the worst choke slam in the history of professional wrestling. But who really cares? Because oh. that's all Hulk. It's all Hulk Hogan's fault. Three it? more things here. So he wrestled Brock Lesnar with a legitimately broken hand at No Way Out. That feud was amazing. Yeah, it was. Um, there was the weird situation with Nathan Boggerode Jones oh, yeah. where they were going to tag at Mania and then they didn't tag and it was Undertaker and then Nathan Jones came out and helped anyway so that led to another Taker win at WrestleMania 19 for anybody keeping track um, and then yeah okay so yeah the, right at the very end of Big Evil we had um, more Vince shenanigans which led to Taker losing a buried alive match and this allowed Kane to get over massively as a heel uh, and it, it just sort of, it, I mean, again, it, it's a taste of things to come because we'd know what was, was happening next. But like at this point, it was very much up in the air. I remember watching as a kid going like, well, what do we do now? Yeah. And Undertaker disappeared for a while and it was like, okay, this is weird. Um, but I mean, that whole phase with Kane just getting more and more maliciously evil was great. That was it, wasn't it? Because with Kane, he just taken his mask off that summer yeah. and I had many sleepless nights because of the editing job. Uh, the team did, but making his face all go like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously when you look at it just normally, it's just, oh, it's got smudged face paint. That's not much to do with that one. But when <laughs> but they yeah, put that oh, on, many His, his head nights. looked like it was bulbous and stuff, like uh, yeah. one area, and it was, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget watching that live, like me and my brother, like inches from the screen, just like this, um, just waiting, waiting patiently and seeing his face and it doing all that. It was mental. But yeah, I, no. They put they put they put uh, the screams of young girls on top of it when he turns around, and I can still hear them in my head now. That's how <laughs> scared I was of the editing job that he did on that uh, recap package for Kane taking his mask off. Yeah, I still don't know if they uh, they had to take Kane's mask off, but I don't know if that was the way to do it. I don't know. No, uh, well, I, I'd honestly, I'd pff, imagine if he still had it on today because it'd be huge. I know, because the way Kane did it back then when he, was, he wasn't he was wrestling, he would wear a ski mask or a balaclava just to keep his uh, his appearance hidden. Yeah. I guess in the world of social media today, it would be impossible to keep that sort of thing up. But the mind does wonder what, what it would be like if Kane had never you, unmasked. But then you again, imagine if nobody knew he was Kane and then he became mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, and then it came out? <laughs> what are you coming out to slow, Kane? He up to his Glenn. inauguration. <laughs> just in full gimmick. Like, oh, wrong job, wrong job. But I'll tell you what, when he did take the mask off, it did it did breathe new life into Kane because when oh, he was feuding with Shane McMahon and people like that and zapping his nuts it, and setting JR on fire allowed, was amazing. It allowed the humanity, no matter how twisted or broken it was, it allowed it to shine through and it, it really allowed Kane to endear himself to the audiences, much in a similar way to how The Undertaker had slowly done it over the pre like previous few years. And a shout out to Kane as well in that match at Survivor Series um, when he, Undertaker was buried alive for using a proper, is it a payloader? Is that the official term for a big digger? <laughs> <laughs> I have no using idea. A, full, but a yeah. full one of those to dump on a bloody grave to make sure he was buried Still, good yeah. and proper. So how the is it they term. did that? I'm assuming there's like a pull across door or something and he's able to yeah. get to the side. But like, yeah, the visual of that, because it does just tip a whole thing in. Uh, yeah, it's great. Class. Yeah, fantastic. But I guess we're, we're ranking this one against the American Badass. It was... Because it's a weird one, because obviously Undertaker American Badass was over as Rover as a babyface. Yeah. But as a heel, Big Evil Booger Red, 
he was just too cool to boo in certain situations. So it's a, it's a really difficult one to sort of compare. I liked Big Evil more than Biker Taker, I think, simply because he was just more menacing and more malicious. I, I, I think the when I think of Biker Taker, or I think back to Taker on a bike, the first image that comes to my head is, is Big Evil rather than long hair, Oakley's denim cut off. Mm. So where are you going? I'd Best, say... I love you, love you, love you. Best, this is all on I, you. I We're don't think best. it's. I don't think it's going to be top of the best, but it's it's definitely in there. In the conversation, that was the big thing about was it was just too cool to boo. Yeah, just it's, too cool to boo. When you get a situation like that, there's nothing else you can do. Uh, nothing else you can do because it's too cool to boo. <laughs> We're rhyming stuff here on tier rankings. That's how good at Gary YouTube and we are. Oh, bars, mate, bars. That's what kids say, isn't it? Sick beats, Sam. <laughs> nice. So then we're fast-forwarding to WrestleMania 20. Kane is in the ring, and he can't believe his big brother is coming back because Kane buried his big brother at the previous Survivor Series. But no, we hear the, oh, you, of the Paul Bearer <laughs> over, the, over the speakers in Madison Square Garden. Down comes what we think is the Dead Man Undertaker. But of course, yes, he is the original sort yeah. of the, the concept of the Dead Man, but the appearance and the sort of the, the, the presentation of the character and the sort of in-ring work, it's an amalgamation of everything we've seen before. He's kept aspects of big evil in the American badass. He's brought back the trench coat and the hat of the Takers before that. Unquestionably, the best in-ring work of Undertaker's career oh, happened God, with yeah. this incarnation of... Uh, of the of the Undertaker, we've got the the WrestleMania matches against Shawn Michaels. You don't know what you don't need me to run through all of that. It speaks for itself. Yeah. Um. But it's 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 the interesting presentation. I want to speak about more initially is the, the fact it was clearly we've still got the MMA gloves on. We've got all the sort of things that were brought back from the past. It's because when you're thinking, well, he's been buried alive. We're seeing all the. The, the hype to WrestleMania 20, which I loved with the ring shaking and yeah. Kane acting as wonderfully as Kane did back then, saying he was dead, 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 dead. What do you think about the presentation of this Undertaker? Well, apparently he didn't want to really bring the dead man back and it took quite quite a bit of doing and convincing to get him to do it. But the whole crack was that he enjoyed working the style that he developed so much that he didn't feel like it was right to go back to the you know super old style and then... They were like, no, 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 no. As long as you look like The Undertaker, you can work as you've been working. And it all sort of worked out. But, like, this is burned into my brain, this return. Because this is this is up there as one of my favorite childhood wrestling moments ever. And it is, in large part, thanks to Kane's acting. Because Kane was getting haunted by, like, the gong and some vignettes and some creepy stuff. And he was just, like, refusing to accept that The Undertaker was still alive and... Just that whole build is seared into my brain. Like, I can't mm. do maths. I can't barely do science or talk, as you've just seen there. Um, but that is, that is like, there's a special place in my mind where that, especially the, the poor bearer, because I don't think anybody was expecting that. And when you just, it just goes quiet, and then you hear it, and the entire crowd just goes, and it's like the, it's like the Brother Love Pop, but mm. a million times better. Yeah, and speaking about Paul Bearer, you'll see on that documentary. Sorry for the spoilers here, Sam. I've got to mention it. It's um, Paul. I think it was. I think I've got this timeline right. He's right. His, his wife had unfortunately got breast cancer, and it really right. taken its toll on Paul Bearer. And he put on even more weight. I guess we saw at WrestleMania twenty. He came back looking bigger than he did beforehand. But um, Vince paid for surgery 
before WrestleMania 20 so he could come back and do that appearance because initially he was like, there's nothing more I would love to do than to come because they show emails between Jim Ross and Paul Bearer before yeah. he makes the comeback. And it's, it's really, it's horrible stuff to look at. He's, he's lost all his confidence and he's, he wants to come back and do it, but he, he can't bring himself to come out the yeah. house and do it because of the way he looked and whatnot. But obviously he comes back and does it and has a little bit of a run where they they sort of heartbreakingly realise he can't do it, he can't go on the road and he can't get up and into the ring and back down the steps and simple stuff like that. And that's where Undertaker, within the realms of kayfabe, loses confidence in Paul Bearer, thinks Paul Bearer's holding him back and then buries him in a, in a concrete crypt. Well, we, we didn't really get the gist of that as it was happening. The way it, it sort of happened was that... Um, he was wrestling a match to save the life of Paul Bearer, who Paul Heyman had abducted and put into a big cementy vat. A concrete crap. <laughs> yeah. I'll never and, forget and... that from uh, Bruce Pritchard's podcast. It wasn't just a glass box full of concrete. <laughs> it was a concrete crap. <laughs> but Taker wins the match to protect, you know, his 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 last living connection to his, his prior life that he, you know, he's been through all this stuff with. He's just come back with him. Uh, and then, yeah, wins the match to save his life and kills him. <laughs> and I would just be but like, what? But doesn't, but doesn't kill him because somehow Paul gets out because he makes a return a few years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after this, we get a bit of Heidenreich being forced into everything. Uh, there's the Ortons failing to end the streak. Uh, that was one hell of a rivalry. That, that's the, if you haven't seen the Orton documentary Bob on the Orton, network that got uploaded recently, the Bob Orton makeup, yeah, it's just, terrible. It's it's I don't know. Like you know what? It's just still seeing him like pull it all the way. It's nowhere near as good as Eric Bischoff's terrible makeup. You can still tell it's cowboy Bob though, even with the the makeup on the makeup yeah. people did a terrible job there. It still it still looked pretty good though, especially when yeah. he's pulling it away and he's on the ramp and everything. Um, but yeah, so we had that and then. Unfortunately, we had the Mohammed Hassan debacle, which I think everybody knows about. We don't really need to go into too much. Uh, Mark Henry fails to end the streak. And then the most important thing that ever happened in the history of WWF happens. And the great Carly debuts and feuds with The Undertaker. And that, if Giant Gonzalez was a struggle when he was a sprightly young lad, I can't imagine this was a hell of a ride. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget Greg Carly pinning Undertaker with a foot on the chest. Yes. Remember that one? Yeah. Unbelievable. Scenes. I mean, I, I'll never forget him debuting because uh, my brother was like, look at the size of him and just like completely enamored by this giant guy. And you sort of got swept up in it a bit when you were a kid. And then slowly the matches would start to be more and more lackluster and you'd start to question the very reality of, you know, like why he's here and what he's doing. And when you start dissecting the stories and the matches as you're watching them, I mean, six years, seven years on the job can attest to that for us. It's sort of, you you lose that little shine that you had when you were a kid at that point. And it, it's very much from that point onwards, it's like, ah, oh, right. To be fair to Carly, he had such skinny chicken legs. They'd yeah. been injured a lot because you see those videos people share of when Carly was wrestling in Japan. Well, he's doing drop kicks and he's jumping over the top rope That's and he's doing all say. sorts. In fairness to WWE, that was the hype package they'd probably be in. <laughs> like, Look at what he can do. He's eight and a half feet tall and he can do a moonsault. <laughs> yeah. But just to quickly go back to Mark Henry, that yeah. is um, originally that was the match pitch to end the streak. Really? 
The casket match against Mark Henry at WrestleMania was what Vince McMahon initially wanted yeah. to end the streak, but it didn't happen for one reason or another, which I can't remember at this time. But yeah, imagine that. Imagine Mark, because Mark Henry wasn't the whole of pain Mark Henry that would come to love later on in like yeah. 2010, 2011 sort of era. This was a different Mark Henry. It would have who, been a shocking upset victory. Oh, it would have made yeah. Mark Henry, but I don't think oh, it would yeah. have gone down well at all with that Mark Henry, especially back then. Yeah, they would have to do something real quick with him and capitalize on it but yeah it's weird when you think about how things could have gone yeah and i guess speaking about this one it's such a a massive period of time to cover because we're going through the edge feud the batista feud that massive just big men slap and meat match at wrestlemania tombstone and vicky guerrero you got away with that yeah i think she was it she stripped undertaker of the title that's what with the the edge sort of got involved edge edge got undertaker fired i think and then vicky reinstates him and it's this Mm. whole yeah a big to do, and then um, some people might class this as a different Undertaker, but to me, it's it's the same sort of rebirth of the dead yeah. man, the amalgamation of everything we've seen before. We've got the the WrestleMania matches with Shawn Michaels, obviously with Triple H, and then with CM Punk, and then that's where I'm sort of drawing the line. Maybe I'll, maybe does the streak die with this Undertaker as well? I think the the streak dies with this Undertaker. I'd say Return of the Dead Man is all the way up to thirty five, really. I guess that's right as well, isn't it? He he changed the look, but it was always very similar. Wide-brimmed hat, a long coat. Sometimes it'd be a slightly more extravagant overcoat. Sometimes he'd, you know... But when he got in the ring, it was always the same sort of gear. Maybe change the hair up every now and then. A couple of other points I've got down here. We have the first ever Punjabi prison match, Undertaker versus Carly, except it never happened. We got Undertaker versus Big Show instead because Carly wasn't cleared to wrestle. We had a reunion of the Brothers of Destruction to take on Kennedy and MVP. Uh, as you mentioned, Batista. MVP getting set on fire in that feud will stay with yeah. me forever. Well, he's like <laughs> a suit in his back set. Oh, yeah. Just, oh. yeah, gnarly, really gnarly. Um, well, yeah, so you touched on Edge, touched on Michaels, touched on Punk. Um, there was then the refeud with Michaels, as you said. Uh, then there was a concussion, a broken, a broken orbital bone, and nose, and it was decreed that the Undertaker was in a vegetative state. And Kane went out on the warpath to be like, "Who did this to my brother?" Before revealing, of course, that it was Kane all along. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Then we get uh, obviously twenty-seven and twenty-eight. Uh, he was stretched out at twenty-seven. Which was just to make Triple H look strong. Well, it's slightly more humanization <laughs> of the Undertaker, isn't it? I guess it's because I guess a lot of people say that the the last outlaw, you know, and he's in the outhouse yeah. and we've got all that promo packages and he's he's cutting his hair off with a blade and stuff like that. People are saying that's a different version of the Undertaker, but I agree with you in saying this is just a, a continuation of the Return yeah. of the Dead Man. Just yeah. slightly slightly different shades, but not a completely different gimmick. Yeah, it, I guess it's hard because it, it's such a long period of time that of course he's going to change it up, but he's always sort of still been that same Taker, like the. Music stayed the same. The aesthetics are largely the same. You'll have a big fancy entrance. And, you know, the matches never really differed. It's similar style all the way through. Um, yeah, so we got the fancy mohawk at Mania 28. Uh, then we get CM Punk disrespecting the dead poor bearer and the urn and all of that business, which is just some just legendary level your work just because I know a lot of people think that was tasteless but yeah, as they say in the documentary once again so I'm sorry for the spoilers everyone <laughs> everyone unanimously says Paul Bearer would have loved that wanted. the fact that he yeah. was gone but he was still at the center point of a proper big massive feud in WWE I thought it yeah. was when Punk interrupts and they're doing the, the tribute and then 
Tank is in the ring and he's paying paying homage to Paul. Uh, yeah. I said Paul Heyman there to Paul Bearer <laughs> on the Tron, and then CM Punk's theme hits and he's out there, and him and Heyman are throwing the urn back and forth, and then yeah. dropping the urn and pouring pouring, pouring Paul Bearer's ashes on the Undertaker. It's all fantastic. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's a proper despicable, like classic, classic heel work. Um, yes, he res- he defeats CM Punk at WrestleMania 29 to restore Paul Bearer's honor. Uh, and we get some early dalliances with the shield. Um, and then the acceptance of the challenge from Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania 30, which of course, ultimately they rocked up at the venue and Vince went, Brock's going over. It's time. That's it. That is the, that's the most, oh, cause obviously some people, I, I, I don't think the streak should have been broken then nah, either. Cause Brock, no. I agree with the undertaker who has gone on record in promoting survivor series, this session saying, no, Brock didn't need the rub. I would have preferred Roman reigns to have defeated me. Could if you, anyone had to defeat me, I prefer Roman reigns. But could you imagine but Vince, that, that win carrying over that streak carrying all the way over to 33. And then what happened at 33 with the hat and the coat and gloves, all that happening. It would have been perfect. Just yeah. Disappeared there. That would have been it. But the, the crazy thing about 30 is the fact that Taker arrived at the venue believing he was winning. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Vince McMahon went, no, we want Brock to win. And it all changed on the fly like that. Imagine yeah. just building that up for for 21 years or 21 manias, whatever it had been at the time. And then all of a sudden it changed. It's just absolutely crazy to think. And then, yeah, obviously, we were there in the arena at WrestleMania 33 when... It was the perfect send-off. The match was, as Undertaker acknowledges himself, was painful to watch because he wasn't in shape. He was dealing with things. And Roman, that final spear where Roman Reigns literally runs rings around him to then finally hit the spear, it's just sad to see because you're thinking, oh, this guy could do everything once upon a time and then the time catches up with all of us, and especially Undertaker then. And then the send-off is perfect as it was, but Taker thinking, oh, no, I want to give myself a good, a good sending-off. I want a, a fitting sending-off because I was quite good at the rest of me when I was a bit younger. Um, and then we had all the bollocks that came after that in Saudi Arabia and everything. But, we get um, the brutal Hell in a Cell with Brock as well. And, of course, the probably more famous Hell in a Cell moment of recent memory were taken with Shane going off the cage at 32. Um, he visits the Smart Prison for Raw 25 uh, over at the Manhattan Center. Uh, which was his first appearance after 33, which was very jarring because we'd all sort of accepted that maybe that was it. He was gone. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, as we all know now, uh, Cena's challenge for 34, a lot of fun, but super squash. And then Stone Silence for 35, which was the first WrestleMania in 19 years that had absolutely nothing to do with The Undertaker. Weird, eh? Yeah, it's so. it's such it's so because obviously watching the the last ride on the network, you you understand where he's coming from. Oh yeah, but that that send off at thirty three was perfect. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. We were there, Sam. Obviously, yeah. boring like babies. Everybody was. You had a heart. It was. I, I couldn't. <laughs> I I remember just stood there with my head, my hands on my head, and I just didn't know what to do. And all that was running through my head was that I was going to have to ring my mum and tell her that the Undertaker's done. And it would break her heart. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, oh. But yeah, in terms of just real quick to recap, the streak matches from the return of the dead man phase of The Undertaker. This is right up to the end of the streak. We have Kane at 20, Randy Orton at 21, Mark Henry at 22, Batista at 23, Edge at 24, Michaels at 25, Michaels at 26, Triple H at 27, Triple H at 28, CM Punk at 29, and finally he would fall to Brock at WrestleMania 30. Uh, 31, we had Bray. 32, we had Shane. 
33, we had Roman, and then that's the end of the gimmick, I think we're going to say here. Yeah. Not, that's, Cena, that's at thir- a... Cena at 34. Yeah. Cena at 34. So yeah. uh, I don't think we need to discuss anything here. Nah. This dead man, all the above, the best, the best Absolutely. of Absolutely, yeah. So then we get on to 2020. We're thinking, bloody hell, could The Undertaker come back for another match after the, de- the debacles, I should say, in Saudi Arabia against DX? That tag team match that also involved Kane, where Kane's mask fell off for the only time in his illustrious career. It's, it is what it is. And, and then we Shawn, Michaels the... Nelly, Shawn Michaels Nelly just impaled himself head first, remember? That was, that was fun yeah, as well. Yeah, Triple H ripping his tits clean off his chest oh, and everything. It all, went, it all went wrong there. Yeah, straight. Yeah. Just doing the the sort well his version of the Ric Flair bump over the turnbuckle yeah. and over the top rope. Peck came off, unbelievable stuff. He, Triple H um, has been through a lot as well. He, didn't he get like freezer burn from his thirty one entrance the, or something? His entrance, like, yeah. yeah. When he came out the the the, the, the entrance thing, yeah. I don't know what it's yeah. Um, and then we had obviously the match against Goldberg, which was just heartbreaking and really hard to watch. Watching these two old lads who just can't do what they used to do because of age. Nothing more than age and wear and tear on the body being the athletes yeah. that they are. They should never have been in there against it's, each other. You should always just... put an old lad against a young lad so the young lad can do all of the work and the old yeah. lad can do his moves and then go home safely. It's just <laughs> sad because obviously as wrestling fans, you want to see your, your favourites and, and it, that's the thing. Like, I mean, Christ, if Undertaker announced a farewell tour and he was going to work a two-and-a-half-minute match against a nobody with no name value and everybody else on the card couldn't wrestle and I was going to have to wait seven hours to see it, I'd still see it. Like, it, it's just, I don't know. Like, there's something about wanting to see your favourites that I think has hampered the retirements of a lot of talent. But when it's time, it's time, I guess. He's jinxed it all, hasn't he? Undertaker by going after WrestleMania 33. I'm not quite happy with that one. I'm going to keep wrestling yeah. until I get that performance I'm happy with. That'll send me off into retirement. So he jinxed every match he had from WrestleMania 33 onwards. <laughs> <laughs> Just by saying that. So we get to, obviously, the build-up to WrestleMania 36. Um, AJ Styles calling out The Undertaker. Oh, money, Michelle, sitting at home, spending all Undertaker's money. Sorry, Mark's money. He called him Mark by, I think, the first guy ever, maybe, in... WWE to call him by Mark. Yeah, on openly, the air. openly criticizes the humanization of him. That he's, you know, been doing interviews and, you know, you're not the same person anymore. And just really being, oh, you AJ. Yeah, money Michelle, money Michelle, because apparently Michelle McCool, I think she said on social media she wasn't told this was going to happen, but there was AJ Styles claiming that the only reason Undertaker kept coming back to wrestle when he shouldn't wrestle because he's damaging his reputation is because old money Michelle at home is spending all of his money, therefore he has to keep wrestling to keep paying the bills. Can you imagine having that conversation when he got backstage? <laughs> phone's going for you. <laughs> Now, oh, I'm sorry. I don't, know what, I don't know how that would go. Oh. She'd be. I bet. I reckon she could beat him up as well these days. Yeah, yeah. She's 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 scary tough. I, I people who work out scare me anyway. So. <laughs> um, so then we get to we're thinking the boneyard matches announced. Nobody knows what the boneyard match actually is. Where we're sort of speculating could it be a return of the dead man? Because a boneyard's a different sort of name for a, an old parts. Like Field a junkyard, thing. yeah, yeah, junk, uh, junkyard sort of thing, but no, it's the unholy trinity is referenced. I was thinking personally in the build-up when the unholy trinity was was mentioned by the Undertaker himself, it was going to be sort of a a debut of a new faction, yeah, uh, called the unholy trinity. But no, the unholy trinity is the Dead Man Undertaker, Biker Undertaker, and Mark Calloway himself put into one package. Uh, Metallica's number one fan. Uh, what's it called? We're all dead. That song. 
Uh, it's off the, the new uh, the new album or the newest. Oh, album? that went dead. Beg yeah. me pardon. I've just remembered in my own head there. And <laughs> he comes in the bike, and then yes, it's the biker Undertaker. Yes, it's the real life Undertaker. But he can still make flames appear when he wants to with the power yeah. of the dead man and all that malarkey. So, what are you thinking about the uh, the, the the unholy trinity of the Undertaker? So the the aesthetic of it, like this, is basically how I think. If if you'd gone back in time and made a film about big evil taker in kayfabe and made like a whole film of his backstory this is how he'd look in that film like he's wearing like just proper nice leathers and stuff he just looks the part of biker badass while i'm not partial to a lot of like dramatic like constructed like filmic wrestling as this is you've got to sort of see it as you know it's like an extension of the world and and you can get away with the cheesy one-liners and stuff. I drew the line at music. I thought the music was really weird. <laughs> Where yeah. it's just like revving an engine and you can just hear music getting louder and louder. I was like, well music, you know, I I sort of prefer outdoor shoots where you know, it's like wild and running and gunning, like, you know, Big Show's dad's funeral type thing. But you can never yeah. achieve that sort of thing that they pulled off at 36 with that sort of setup. So I understand it, but it just like it was the perfect amalgamation of everything. You're right. It, it, it's just the only thing I think I didn't like about it were the one-liners. <laughs> it was just a little bit, just a little bit too Sylvester Stallone 80s action flick. But it, it was it, really, really homoerotic. So well, there was a line which I can't remember which I'm speaking about now. But if people go back and watch my WTF moments, I made it a WTF moment. Someone Undertaker said to AJ Styles because it was just so homoerotic. It was too much for a PG event like WrestleMania. You've got to stoke the flames of fan fiction, Ross. You've got to do it. Maybe he's got got loads of it already written, and he was just trying to see if he could get it snowballing, and then, you know, once it gets big enough, just start dropping it under a pseudonym. Are you that, my call cut out slightly there? Are you saying that the Undertaker used to write fan fiction about himself and AJ Styles? Maybe, yeah, and maybe he steered everything in that direction in order to, you know, potentially create a market where he could release his stories. Imagine that, because AJ Styles was the one who approached <laughs> the Undertaker to wrestle. So imagine the, the stiffy Undertaker would have got when uh, AJ Styles approached him to wrestle at WrestleMania 36. But uh, I don't. We've we've covered the Boneyard match so much on this channel. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic. It's the be- It was. It's so great because it's it's working around Undertaker's limitations, which is heartbreaking to see yeah. when he's live in the ring doing the wrestling. But obviously, he can take breaks and whatnot. He can warm up and stretch between different shots. Yeah. It's it, it's the perfect thing. And as we sit here currently, it looks like we're not going to see The Fiend versus Undertaker in a fire, bone, fun house match. I think I keep calling it. Um, it's it's something I still want to see. I've seen people on social media saying that we see, we should see Undertaker versus Sting in a cinematic matchup, which I, yeah. I don't know if that's a step too far even for me as much as I love he, Sting. He wouldn't be interested in any more cinematic stuff. But, you know, mm. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But sort of next, next autumn... Uh, I'd imagine we're going to probably start seeing some more Saudi super shows. So uh, after that send off, I genuinely think he's done. But you know, it, it's wrestling, isn't it? Never, ever, ever say never. I know. As much as I love the Undertaker, um, I don't want to see him come back. After no. we've had two, we've had two perfect. I know it's it's maybe not as good as it could have been because there was no fans then. If there was fans there, it would have been a better noise and therefore a better yeah. send off. But under the circumstances, I thought that Survivor Series send off was as good as it could have got. That Paul Bearer hologram in the ring, it oh, was. It got me going again. Yeah. Got me going again, Sam. <laughs> I, yeah, but, yeah, I think he's. I think he's for sure done. Done. But you know, we'll 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 see. We'll see. 
I hope so. But where are we going for the unholy trinity undertaker? Is he in lovely, lovely, lovely with the Ministry of Darkness and the new generation sort of dead man undertaker? Or is he is he a step above that? I'd say lovely, lovely, lovely. Because realistically, while it's a very nice looking gimmick and the match worked well and it all sort of fell into place, like a really nice jigsaw puzzle or something, um, ultimately it was one match. And so when you look at it in terms of the gimmick's impact... It was huge in the way that everybody was talking about it, and I guess you do have to give it props for that. But realistically, there's not really anything more to bite into there because it didn't really feel like a gimmick. If weirdly, it just felt like it was, as you said, Mark Him. Calloway. So like, yeah. it almost feels weird to include it, but you've got to include it. So I'd say put it in lovely, lovely, lovely. It's a one-hit wonder. Yeah, it's and 99 had- Luftballons. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is. Um, and obviously, we have to include this final gimmick because it's taken the internet, internet by storm this week. We have Cameo Undertaker, which we have to include because the cameos have been absolutely fantastic. We've seen, you can say what you want about the price and everything, but the Undertaker, I guess, has earned the right to charge that sort of fee. He's kept everything somebody's, in somebody's for 30 gonna... years, and now he's letting it all out, and he's letting his hair down, and he's running free around the world. I would never personally pay a thousand dollars to have the undertaker give me a minute clip but if, if you've i got if i had a grand line around i would a hundred percent and and to be honest with you undertaker he doesn't phone it in in any of the the cameo appearances he does the brian alvarez one for brian alvarez's granny it's absolutely fantastic yeah. absolutely amazing whatever he says <laughs> about her 91 years of dominance um just the certain things you wouldn't picture undertaker dominance saying again. in gimmick dominance again huh? Yeah. Just, just kinky in man. The, the, the dominance it. every now and then. Even <laughs> Brian Alvarez's granny's kinky. That's a sentence I regret <laughs> saying already. Um, but there we have it. Cameo Undertaker. If I'm sure it's on YouTube by now. It was certainly on Twitter earlier this week. Oh, um, it's still doing the rounds. Well worth a watch. Yeah. yeah. A fa- I hope he brings it back, and I hope that on behalf of Cultaholic, we can get a cameo for me. Because I would like one. Yeah. Uh, just spend the company credit card if we have a thousand pounds in there. I don't know if we do. If but, we can um, lure if we do... Adam, if we can lure Adam into some sort of cage, we can maybe <laughs> poke him with sticks until he gives us the card. <laughs> yeah. <And then> we... <laughs> but there we have it. Cameo Undertaker is definitely in the best oh, here. I don't sure. care what you say. Absolutely. Saying. So now we've got to, so Sam. The pressure is now all on you. Right. We had how having to find out. We've got the three in lovely, lovely, lovely. We've got the unholy trinity, the ministry of darkness. And what title did we give it at the start of the video? We've got the OG dead man. Yeah. In lovely, lovely, lovely. But in the best here, we have the Western dead man, the, the original, the arrival Iconic undertaker. Classic undertaker, yeah. Is. No, is that the OG dead man? No, the Lord of Darkness, I beg my pardon. Is the Lord of Darkness better than that 1990 to 1994 undertaker? Uh. Ooh. Yes. <gasps> For what it's worth, I would have kept the original one up there. I think, Do we have I, I the American think, badass? Just, think, just to justify it, I just think the moments like Kane, Mankind in the Cell, while there's you know, not a lot of major stuff going on, there's just a lot of really big moments. Yeah, I guess it's just more the look of that picture there next to Brother Love. It's just more iconic in my mind. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's just playing tricks on me because I agree with everything you just said there. Then we have the American badass. Is he better than the Lord of Darkness? No. 
Booga Red, Big Evil, is he better than the Lord of Darkness? Yeah. Woohoo! Controversy! Justify you. Show your workings, as they say in the GCSE exams. In fact, no, hang on. No, 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 no. I was thinking My of the wrong God, one. God, everybody changed wrong one. his mind back. <laughs> I was thinking of the wrong one. I was just, I'm like going through all my sheets of paper here trying to uh, just work out which one's which because I feel on the spot. Uh, no, I don't think it's as good as, yeah, I think I, that's a no. That's a no from me on that one. That's a no from him. Now, this is a big one. Is the return of the dead man 2004 to 2017, that sort of undertaker, is he better than the Lord of Darkness? This is the one I meant to set. Yeah, this one goes to number one because he had the, the best performances of his career. I mean, come on, it's iconic. The return of the dead man to kick it all off. Like, it was just the, the entire, you know, last however many years, last 17... 15, 16 years, however long. It's just been right. I don't know. Like It's like he found the perfect formula for Undertaker. That was it. Mm. And, and it's, yeah, I think the, the work speaks for itself. Yeah, that was it. The gimmick was there, but also the in-ring work was there, which had never been before Mike's on the level it was. So I think that's what sets it apart, really, doesn't it? Yeah. And then finally, is Cameo Undertaker better than the Rift of the Dead? You know my answer here. Of course he is. There we have it. Cameo Undertaker <laughs> is the best incarnation of The Undertaker over the last 30 years of his illustrious career. There we have our tier ranking of all The Undertaker's gimmicks over the past 30-odd years. Sam, any closing thoughts before we close this video down forever? I don't know, who's the next guy? Like, who's the next? Is it going to be The Fiend? Like, because we always need a monster. We do, and that, that is the most... Lars Sullivan... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can watch me, Michael. I can roar. Uh, I'll yeah. never forget how bad that was. But <laughs> it is, it's the fiend, isn't it? It's got to be the fiend. Especially the, the way his career has gone and how he's drastically switching up gimmicks and stuff. Yeah. And who knows what's to come in the future. And That's it. I think we always need characters, despite the fact that, you know, wrestling has moved into a realm of work rate. Um, and, you know, with that, there's a lot of gimmicks that are just like, I'm very good at wrestling. So, okay. But we've always sort of had, we're good at wrestling gimmicks, even way back in the day, like very good wrestler gimmicks, fine, whatever. Everybody was a shooter at one point. So that's always been a thing. But it's the characters that really add the heart to the wrestling, I think. And I think mm. we do need to make sure that we've always got one or two, like The Fiend, just there. Just because that, that little element of darkness and evil it lends so well into the world of wrestling because quite often in wrestling, it's good versus bad and that's it. It's, it's quite black and white and you need those extremes to really counterbalance the really like over faces. So fingers crossed, it's it's Bray. Could you imagine pro, the world of pro wrestling without silly bollocks like The Undertaker and The Fiend of characters? It'd, about, be, so it'd be a lot more boring, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd probably be still all very secretive. <laughs> and yeah, it's... Undertaker sort of revolutionized it. I mean, for the modern age, everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows he's a big spooky dead guy, even if they don't watch wrestling. We need yeah. somebody else to, to take up that mantle. Someone to cross that sort of pop culture barrier. Yeah. Everyone knows Undertaker, yeah. but um, there we have it. There we have it. There's our tier ranking of all the Undertaker gimmicks. This video lasted a hell of a lot longer I than I thought it was going to, Sam. <laughs> but that's testament to the Undertaker. That's testament to The Undertaker and everything he's done over his career because there's a hell of a lot to cover. And I think we've covered just about everything there. Hopefully, yeah. no doubt we've missed something. Yeah, and up yours if you're going to comment that, you, you bastard. <laughs> um, 
But that's it. I've been Gary YouTube from Cultaholic Wrestling, joined by another Gary YouTube also from Cultaholic Wrestling. Let us know what you think about how wrong we are in rasking <laughs> those gimmicks there from The Undertaker. I can't wait to read them all. We'll see you next time on these tier ranking malarkeys. Wait, 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 wait to the camera, Sam. Weird to the camera. Weird to the camera, Sam. Is that weird wave. enough for you? I tried, to, I tried to say wave and it came out wrong. <laughs> we'll see you next time on this tier ranking thing. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 